Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. <laughs> what year is this for you? Senior year! You're going to make it! You're going to do it! You're on the last... And Patrick here is on the last lap. The last, like, victory bonus round lap. <laughs> and then he... He's... He's a free man. Going for it, too. Awesome, guys. Well, so, uh, like David said, my name is Taylor. Um, and first off, I guess... Uh, I, I, can I tell you a little bit about myself, kind of where I grew up and some things? Jeremy knows he was actually... This guy over here, I grew up with him, so he actually will really appreciate these. Um, but basically, uh, so I, I, I was born and raised kind of in this area in uh, Oceanside. Anyone from Oceanside here? No one? Yes, two people. Come on. Yes, right? So born and raised Oceanside area, okay? Um, and, and basically, when I was in high school and, and when I was just trying to be like social in life, I just epically failed half the time, right? I, I, I so badly wanted to be, I guess, normal. Like when I was, um, I remember trying out and trying to figure out what group I belong to because, you know, so often you, you see there's a group and you're trying to be like, maybe, maybe I, I belong in that group. Like that old book where it's like, are you my mommy? You know, and that little, and it's like, no, I'm a crane, dude. Like, I'm not your mom. Do you guys know that book with the little bird, right? It was like that, but I'm like, are you my friends? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, are you my friends? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> are you my friends? <laughs> right? Like, that's how I was, right? Right? And so basically, I, I joined a band. I played the saxophone because I just thought it was the cool instrument, right? And, and basically, uh, I tried to learn, but I was the guy who could never quite get it. Uh, I was the guy in band who apparently, uh, saxophone, if you hit it, if you do something wrong, it'll make a squeak sound, kind of like your voice is cracking, right? It's like, it'll be like, like, and it'll make this, sound and it just sounds horrible and you could hear me through the whole band constantly because it'd be this beautiful and then and oh one time i actually played it perfectly and the instructor stopped the band and he looked over at me and i was like oh no what i do and he looked at me he's like you did it like he stopped everybody to tell me you did it. Like, you got it right. But I very quickly realized I'm not a band kind of a guy. Uh, so uh, I, I tried to move on. I tried to do sports. Okay. I, I tried out for basketball. I was one of two people who got cut. Dominic, who's the other leader here, actually, he, him and Emily just got married. They're on their honeymoon. They'll be back next week. All you new people, you'll, you'll meet them. They're like mom and dad here. They're great. And he was, he was the only other person who got cut. So that Dominic and I were the two people on the team who didn't make the team. So then we walked out of the basketball tryouts and we went over to golf and they said, uh, no, like we walked in and they, he, the coach looked around and everyone was supposed to make the team. So then he, he like, you could tell he was thinking, he was like, has anyone in here never played golf before? And we raised our hands and he's like, sorry, 
you can't be on the team. And so Dominic and I turn and we walk out and we didn't make the golf team either, right? So then we made the, uh, I made the soccer team just because they desperately needed people. And I, uh, they rarely ever actually put me in the game. I remember there was one time I was just so bad. I was the guy on the laps who was running and I was the one in, in last, just like, oh, I hate this, right? But trying to do it because I'm like, are you my friends? <laughs> running with them, trying, right? And I remember... There was a moment when we were up, we were winning. It was like 10 points to like one or two, like embarrassing, killing the other team. We had a penalty kick, okay, and, and the free kick at the goal. And the coach pulled everyone together, and he said, guys, we're killing them. We really, like, let's just have grace. We don't want to make this kick. Taylor, you take it. And I'm like... And finally, I'm like, I'll show them. This is my moment to shine. Totally just like it. And then they start clapping. They're like, yeah, that's why we put you in. Like, way to go. Right? And you're like, oh, man. So I just had this horrible complex about me. Like, I can't do sports. I can't do this stuff. Uh, I remember academically, I basically, my best friend was Dominic. That guy, maybe you, I don't know if you've knew this, but he is actually crazy smart, like over four point something GPA, like really smart guy. And I would study till like two in the morning, right? Go to class, think I'm going to do great on this test. Dominic, he'd come in all tired and I'd be like, oh, dude, do you stay up all night studying too? He's like, no, I was binge watching 24. I just... (laughs) Oh, man. And he's like, I, I totally forgot we were taking a test. And then he would get like 100% on the test, and I would get like a C. And I would be so mad, like, oh, I can't do this either. I remember just so badly wanting to be at least normal in some kind of group. And can you show, go ahead, show some photos real quick. This is just for fun. Um, there we are. I'm the guy on the left right there. Um, the, the, the shorter, chubbier one on the left, right? Uh, the dark one on the right, the darker tan one, that's Dom. And then my buddy Jake in the middle, that's us. Uh, that's me when I was trying out for soccer. That's what I looked like right there on the left. Okay, go over the next one. This is Jeremy and I. Hey! That's when I was, I was trying to be cool, so I grew out my hair really big, but it kind of just turned into a lion's mane, so it didn't really work didn't really work very well. But that's Jeremy and I. That was actually the first summer I really hung out with him. That was me when I finally got skinnier, right? Uh, that was uh, trying... Yeah, I still wasn't really good at much, but I like made this face where it went. Go, go to the next one. There we go. There I am again on the left. And there's Dominic in the blue. But I'm on the left right there. We actually had a trip to New York, and I was on top of the Empire State Building. Um, but I am the chubby kid on the left there. And let's see, there I am again. Dominic's laughing at me. So that, that actually, you can see the hair was growing out again. So I was showing you these phases to give you a picture of the kind of guy that I was uh, in junior high and in high school. You can stop now. You don't have to keep, you don't have to keep doing more. <laughs> that, was a, that was a dance that uh, it was girls asked the guys, and neither Dom or I got asked. But we still went. We had fun. So, uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, anyway, so I so badly wanted to be normal. I, I, I remember watching this show called Smallville. Um, did, you, did you ever watch that with Tom Welling? Okay, and he was like, I was in ninth grade and I watched this, and he's like a 30-year-old buff man. He's like, I'm in ninth grade, right? And, you're, and I'm watching this like, 
oh man, like I'm like nowhere near him, right? Like my life does not, if this is the standard of what's considered normal, right? Uh, I'm totally not. I remember uh, just totally always almost starting to go into a depression about feeling like I just wasn't normal. I can't fit into sports. I can't fit into band. I can't fit into academics. I can't fit into groups. Like, and just uh, starting to just beat myself up because when I compared myself to the standard of what was considered normal in society, like America's standard of this is what you should be, this is what the person should be, I, I lost every single time. Has anyone ever had something like that before? You're like, no, 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 dude. <laughs> That's rough on you, man. No, has anyone, come on, one hand went up. Anyone felt like that? Thank you. Okay, good. Okay, thank you. Okay, so the, the problem is I started to realize as I got older that normal is totally dependent on the culture that you're in. Uh, uh, normal is totally dependent on, in America, we say, like, you have to be tan and buff and skinny and, like, all this stuff, right? Like, like that Hollywood look, right, of what they say, this is what you should look like. And every high school show has, like, these, like, sports star supermodel people. And then the average high schooler is like, oh, man, right? Or, like, the average college students, like, like the OC is like, no, this is nothing like... No, like, <laughs> this is nothing like us, right? And so basically, I, I figured this out. We went, Jeremy and I and David and a couple others, we went to Nepal this year. And I, re- I saw that uh, in Nepal, what is normal there is that cows are considered like deity gods and they have full reign like in life. There would be, the roads would be totally backed up and you'd think it's a crazy car accident and you get up there and there's just a cow sleeping on the road. And everything shuts down, you know? And we have to go around them, right? And that's just normal there. And there, they have completely different standards as to what normal is. Actually, they might even have the opposite. In some cultures, they're like, oh, you're chubby and pale? Like me, the kid up there? They're like, you're actually really handsome in this culture. And I'm like, all right, you know? But like, but here in America, the culture said, no, not at all. And I'm like, oh, man. So normal is totally dependent on what, what country you live in, what culture you're in, where you're like a citizen, we're American, so it's like kind of what American normal is, is what I compare my life to. The problem is this, is it creates comparison no matter where you're at, right? Do you see how like the American comparison, your life, you're always trying to compare? And, and so what's happened too, guys, is even going into college, the normal thing is it says go to college get a degree, get a job, have a house, right? You know, white picket fence, you know, (laughs) 2.5 children, right? Whatever it is, right? Like just this average across across the, the thing, right? And so basically normal even says in college, this is the way you're meant to, to live your life. I remember I had a, a college counselor I was talking to and it was just saying my dreams. And she kind of just said, Basically, unless you want to go into a lot of debt and take out a lot of loans, you're not going to do any of that. And I was like, oh, crushed, right? And I remember, like, I talked to kids, and I'm like, what do you want to be when they grow up? And they're like, an astronaut, you know, like fireman, like crazy, right? And then we go, and in college, you say, what do you want to be? You know, what are you studying? What do you want to do? And they say, I don't know. This job is pretty stable, and I should be able to make a lot of money, you know? And it's 
Where'd the excitement go? Where'd the dream go? Where'd the, the passion go? Where is the trading my dream of my heart for this stability of what the American stability is? And we trade it in and we say, you know what? Be, why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that if my dream doesn't come true, if God doesn't pull through, if these different things don't happen, uh, at least I'll have something to fall back on. And, and a lot of times our parents call it, no, you're being responsible, <laughs> right? And, and you're like, I, what, wait, why does responsibility mean I have to study something I don't necessarily like and get a job I don't like just so I can have you know, money, right? What if you pursued your dreams and what God was calling to you and that was the most responsible thing you could do? What if the wisest thing you could do was be exactly where God wants you to be, you know? And so the thing is, guys, we are not called to fit in to what society says is normal. You are called to a new normal. Like, and really, it's not a new, for us, it's a new normal. It's really an old normal. It's what, what was originally God's design, right? And so tonight, we, uh, what I want to talk about is this, this uh, the, the title is A New Normal. And basically, I believe that you are called to a new lifestyle of living. You're called to not do what's normal here on earth, but what is normal in heaven's eyes. You see, what's normal in heaven is completely radical here on earth. Got one, yeah. Yes, it's radical. I'm telling you, like in heaven, it is normal to hear angels singing glory to God, right? If that happened on earth, we'd be like, what the heck, right? This is crazy, right? It is normal in heaven to, to see like all, all, oh man, you read the verses about the throne room and it's like, this is normal heaven. But for us on earth, we're like, this is totally radical, right? But so I want to show you something, though. In uh, Philippians 3, verse 20, it says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Gave your and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. You see, the minute you gave your life to Jesus, you actually gave him your primary citizenship. Before you're an American, you're part of the kingdom of God now. Before you're, you're uh, in all the countries, you have to do all this stuff to try to get dual citizenship. You got dual citizenship with the kingdom of God the minute you asked Jesus into your heart. But as a citizen, remember how I was saying your normal is relative and dependent on the land you're living in, the culture you're in? So when you became a citizen of heaven, your normal changed to the land of heaven, to the, the culture of heaven, the culture of where Jesus lives. The DNA of heaven is what got placed inside of you. This is, means that you're called not to the normal of America, but to the new normal of heavenly living, that, that you are a citizen of heaven now. When I, I lived in a bunch of different countries doing mission trips, and I, and I was in Colombia, I had to learn Spanish. The audacity of the people to make me learn their language. It's ridiculous. Like, ah, what? <laughs> I should be able to speak American, not even English, right? American to wherever I want, and they should understand me. No, wrong. Like, you go to another country, you learn their language, right? If you want to become a citizen of another country, another nation, you learn the language and the culture of that nation, and it's actually totally prideful to be like, nah, they all got to learn my language, right? And so this is what we do, is we became citizens of heaven, and then we expect heaven to speak our language. 
And we, we expect heaven's culture to come down to my comfort zone, right? When in actuality, we need to shift our culture, shift our language, shift our mindset, and raise it up to the new home that we live in, the citizenship of heaven. This is a new normal that we are called to. What is normal is what's in heaven first and foremost, you see, the thing is, though, is it's not new. Normal Christianity, when, it first, when Christianity just came out, right, when, when Jesus, like, died on the cross and he made, like, Christianity, uh, like, a thing, right? Christian, there was no radical Christians. They were all just Christians. They walked and signs and wonders broke out when they prayed for them. They, they, they walked and they saw healing. They walked and they saw crazy things happen. They saw revival break out. Peter stood up and preached and thousands of people got saved. They weren't even afraid of martyrdom. Like, like they, they had a boldness to push through this. This was not, oh, you're radical, man. This was like, no, we're just Christians. This is our culture as Christians because we're not citizens of Jerusalem anymore. We're citizens of heaven first. This is why it's a big deal when he says you're actually citizens of heaven now. And what's crazy is somewhere along the way, this, this, this Christianity group that always, it changed the society it went into. It brought healing and it brought life wherever it walked into. It, it, it brought really cities would either reject them or embrace them and the whole city would be transformed, right? This is what real Christianity, this is in the DNA of Christians. Not even, like I said, not even martyrdom itself could stop them. Christians would be persecuted and Christianity would actually break out even further. Like no Nothing could stop this thing called Christianity. And yet somewhere along the way, we kind of lost that. And Christianity became, I go to church on Sundays, maybe a group midweek. And that's great. That's awesome. But we've made it. Christianity is just, I, I do a lot of rules and I live a, a pretty clean life. And I, and I love Jesus. And I get a like, get out of hell free card, you know, like I get to go to heaven. It's great, you know? And it's like, where was the passion? In the same way we asked the kids, you ask kid Christianity and they're like, oh, we're taking it all. God, Jesus, glory. And then now you talk to Christianity and we're just like, eh, you know, we'll settle for like the house and you know, we're, that's cool. You know, just like when I was a kid, I had these dreams. And then when I became an adult, for some reason, I gave it up for practicality early Christianity had these things and we've so often given them up just because for comfort's sake. Where did the dreams go? Where did it go? We are called to go back to a new normal of Christianity. And we, a lot of times we say this word, we almost say that we're normal Christians and those crazy people, you know, Billy Graham, or you hear these people from history, Charles Finney or Jonathan Edwards or these great giants, we, we call them like revivalists, right? These great reformers and these revivalists. And I'm just a normal Christian. <laughs> when actuality, real Christianity was that everyone was a revivalist. There wasn't even that term because it was all of you. And, and so... Revival has almost become this fun word to say in the church. Like, have you seen this video? There's a little video of this kid. He's like a preacher. They give, they give this kid, he's like four or five years old, and he just gets the mic and he goes, red hot revival. <laughs> he's this like five-year-old kid. And the whole crowd goes, yeah. And you're like, that kid has no idea what revival means, right? He's just yelling it out because people go, whoa, he said revival, you know? Like, and it's almost become this, this word. I remember Dominic, like I say, he's one of my best friends. We played this card game. Um, it was called BS, 
bologna sandwich is what you know what we said because we were at a good Christian school, so that's what we called it. But it was a game where you'd flip over and you'd have to. Have anyone heard of this card game where you have to put down like I have three aces, and it's like no, you don't. Or oh, okay, maybe you do, right? And it's like this game you have to trick each other. Dominic, no matter what turn, like when it was my turn, he he would call me out every time, every time. To the point where it was like, I, I vowed to never play the game with him again. Because every time we played, he didn't even care if he was wrong and get all the cards. He just wanted to call it. He just wanted to call it. Just on me. Just to see what would happen, right? And so I, to this day, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to play that game. It's, I can't. I just can't play that game. Like, it just pulls up old wounds. I can't do it, right? And so basically, and this is how it's almost been, is it's like where he would just call it out, and it lost the meaning of the game. So often we just call out revival, 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 and we have forgotten what it meant and what it means, it's something that, that we're called to walk into. And so basically, uh, to revive means to bring something back to life. It's kind of like the guys with the defibrillator, and they're like, and they wake somebody back up, right? It's the reviving, resuscitating, bringing life into them again is what it means to revive. And throughout the Bible and throughout history, there's these moments where society has just died. There's these moments where the Israelites are gone or, 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 or like history, these people have just turned away from God and they have totally died. And that is when God releases a revival because he's bringing the nation back to life again. He's like defibrillating the hearts of the people back again. And so these, these moments in a region, when that happens, there's always three things that happen with this. You see the lost get saved, and all these people get saved. You, get, you see the church awaken up and realize the new normal, that they come back to their first love of Jesus again. And, and then you, a lot of times you will see a reformation of the actual city itself. Because Christianity was always meant to be something that shifted and changed everything, right? And so this is what true revival looks like. Can I give you an example of what this was? So, and, uh, and <laughs> two people, thank you guys. <laughs> okay, uh, anyone heard of the Welsh revival in 1904? Okay, this is one of the greatest examples of, uh, of revival. Basically, revival broke out in this chapel. This 14-year-old girl gets up. Her name's Flory Evans. She gets up, and she basically just says, I love Jesus with my whole heart. That was it. She didn't, like, say some grand speech. She wasn't a preacher. She didn't have all this stuff. She's like, uh, and they say she was trembling. So she's like, I love Jesus. And she's like this 14-year-old girl. It says that God's spirit came so strongly in the, mo- in the room, people began to repent, give their hearts back to Jesus. It says that people ran out and started preaching the gospel. And it says that within ills had than a year, 150,000 people had been saved. It says that the Wales had been so dramatically uh, uh, changed that basically the, uh, there was no, like bars were closing because no one wanted to go to them anymore. The judges in the land literally were awarded white gloves because there were no cases anymore. They, 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 they had nothing to try. There was no crime happening. Uh, they, they say that this revival, basically the police force, all they had to do for their job was escort older women home from the revival meetings, right? Because they had nothing to do anymore, right? Like this was society itself changed, revival broke out, the citizenship, the culture, heaven itself shifted that city and became like heaven. The normality of heaven became the normality of Wales right there. 
Can you imagine? Let's dream with me. What would this look like across the street in San Marcos? What would it look like if, if jails closed, bars empty? What happened if divorce has just ceased to exist? Like we didn't need divorce uh, like uh, trials and judges because it just didn't happen. Like abortion clinics closed because people were, uh, and orphanages closed because people were adopting children and, and raising kids. Can you imagine if prayer was in the schools, if Cal State San Marcos became a school where people came from around the world and got saved and then they went back to their nation and took it there. Can you imagine what it would be like if the new normal, if, if actual revival, the dead city just boom, back to life again, back to heaven again. Can you dream with me, guys? Can you imagine what it would be like? Every single revival, though, started up with a couple people who were, we call, revivalists. Really, they were just actual, normal Christians. And, and these few group of people, they would dedicate themselves, either one man or multitude of people, whatever it was, but there were these people who they, 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 they gave their lives unto seeing God bring the citizenship of heaven, the new normal, to their region again. And a lot of times it was like that, that girl, that Flory Evans girl, she, she's 14 and uneducated. The guy, uh, Evan Roberts, he was the one who really helped out in that revival of Wales. He was 26 years old, not much education. 26-year-old, right? There's stories of these 20-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds shifting regions, bringing revival, changing history because they tapped in to actual what normal is heaven. They realized I'm a citizen of heaven first and the culture of my normal heaven has to become the culture here and I'm going to bring it with me wherever I go. In other words, a revivalist is supposed to be synonymous with a Christian. It's the same thing, right? It's, it's really, this is what you are called to. Matthew 6.10, Jesus praises. The, the disciples ask Jesus, they say, what do we do? Uh, how can we pray? And this is what Jesus says. He says, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's like, if you want to pray, pray this, that earth becomes like heaven, that the culture of heaven becomes the culture here. If you want one thing, pray this out. So what is, what is heaven like, guys? Shout out some answers. What's heaven like? No Amazing. No pain. What else? No tears, no suffering. What else? No shame, no torment. Jesus. What? No guilt. The presence of God. Heaven is heaven because that's where God is, right? <laughs> so, what's up? New bodies? Yeah, cool. Come on. Yes. What's up? Worship. Joy. All these things, right? This is the culture of heaven. This means these are, these are descriptions of like if you if you ever go to another country, Jeremy knows this. We go to another country. There's always, they're always like we can tell Americans a mile away. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They have certain characteristics. They're loud. 
They're loud. <laughs> Apparently, we're really loud, guys. And so there, there's certain things they can tell you must be an American because we bring a culture piece of our land with us. And when we confront another culture, they're like, whoa, you're from a different culture. How many of you in here like to do accents or you know an accent of some sort? Yeah, yeah. Yep, got different accents, right? Okay, question is, an accent is a language, basically you sound like you're from a certain region, a certain land. Do you have an accent of heaven? Like, do you have characteristics? If your culture of heaven confronted another culture, would they be able to tell he's probably a Christian because his culture, the way he acts is so different from us? His accent, the way he talks, is so different. And then they ask you, where are you from, man? And you're like, oh, I'm from the place, it says, citizen of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. I'm so different because I'm from where Jesus is at. This is, this is the new normal, guys, and I want to challenge you as you go into your school, as you go into work, as you go in to your dorms, do you carry the accent of heaven? Do you carry a, a sound like heaven? This is your new culture. So here's some culture pieces, right? Because this is Americans are loud and we're all this stuff. Here, here's some culture pieces. One is boldness. Ephesians 3, 12, it says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can boldly and confidently come into God's presence. Uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given a spirit of fear but of, or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This means in heaven, as citizens of heaven, you have power, you have love, and you have a sound mind. That means even when your mind is thinking thoughts that are not thoughts that would be, you would be thinking in heaven, you stop and you go, hey, stop it, right? You have the ability to actually say to your own mind, shut up, <laughs> right? You have the ability when your mind's like, you're a loser, you're like, stop it. I am a citizen of heaven and there's no losers in heaven, right? <laughs> like, like, uh, like we, right? You have the ability to even tell your own mind bringing heaven, right? And so next one, here we go. So boldness, power, love, sound mind. How about healing? It says you, uh, in Mark 16, 17, or chapter 16, verse 17 to 18, it says these signs will follow those who will believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they will take up a serpent, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, kind of like an axe when Paul got bit, and he shook it off, and he's like, no, no, I'm okay, God protect me, God protected him, right? And then it says, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is a culture piece of who you are. There's no sickness in heaven. That means that you can walk in and you can pray for people to encounter the healing power of God. Uh, how about hearing God's voice? Do you think there's anyone in heaven who hasn't heard God? You think there's any dude in heaven who's like, man, I haven't, I haven't seen God in a while. Or like anyone who's walking on the street of gold and is like, I wonder if God's real. Right? Like, like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, in heaven, everyone is convinced that they can hear God. That means you need to become convinced that God speaks to you. It might look totally different. It might be through the scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through your convictions, through different ways. But you have to become confident and say, I know that God can speak in me. Every situation in your life 
you can bring heaven into. This is what you're called to a new normal. This is who you're called to be a revivalist wherever you go. This is, this is real Christianity, guys. You're meant to be someone who brings and speaks heaven and revival. Revival is bringing back to life. Wherever you go, things come back to life. Wherever you walk in, you bring Cal State back to life. You go into uh, your, I went into an ethics class in college and the professor straight up said, God is not real. And if you believe he's real, you're going to have a hard time in this class, right? And, and, and I, by the end, I had multiple people I ended up talking about the Lord with. And, and because I remember in his class raising my hand and just saying like, what? And asking him questions and, and bringing life into these situations where people would stop me afterwards and ask me what I believed. Like, Come on, guys, you can do this, right? You can do this. Like, you are not called to be a normal American person in society. You are called to be so much more. And if you try to just be normal American, you will feel something dying inside of you. I love America. I am proud to be American. I love my nation, and I love those who fight for my nation. But I understand that my nation comes second after my citizenship in heaven with Jesus Christ first and foremost. You're called, and if you try to get your fulfillment not out of heaven, but out of your nation, you're going to have a lack inside of your heart. You are called to make a difference. You are called to change this world. You are called to change history itself. Will heaven look back and say, wow, Jesus got more glory because Jamal was alive? than if he was never born at all. Like Jesus got so much glory because Jamal came here. You're called to live alive in your heart, to have a personal revival inside of you that then moves into a reformation in your lifestyle, which then moves on to revival in the people around you and reformation in their lifestyle. This is what you are called to. Can we stand up together? Yeah, and we just want to pray, and you ask God, because so often it's easy to compare. It's easy to be like, they're the preacher, they're the evangelist, they're really good at this Christianity thing, and I just, I suck at it, right? Like, I'm the kid running in the back, like, trying to catch up, right? It's so easy to feel like that, but there's no ranks in this thing. You are all normal Christians, which means you're all called to bring back to life things. You're all revivalists by definition. You are all called to this thing. No matter it's in your school or whether it's in class or at home, in every situation, this is who you're meant to be, a normal Christian. A new normal, really the oldest normal there was, but in our society, you're really a new normal. So close your eyes for a second. And you, in your own words, Ask Jesus these questions. We're going to say first, ask Jesus, Jesus, is there anything in my life that is blocking me or, or, or hindering my walk and walking out in this just new normal? ask this question, Jesus, am I really living as a citizen of heaven?
The word repent, it means to change your direction, change your way of thinking and turn around. And so we need to ask God, is there any change that needs to happen in my mind or my heart that I need to turn and see a new way? Is there anything I need to repent of to now see myself in this new way? You ask God. And now just pray this out and just say, Father, I repent. And then for, and then you just think of whatever it is. I repent for this. I ask that you would show me the truth. You would show me who I am. And you would show me who I'm called to be. Thank you, God. So, Father, I ask uh, that they would walk out of here tonight encouraged and inspired that they are called to bring the kingdom of God everywhere they go. They are called to bring the kingdom of God into their school, into their work, into their family. There's no situation hopeless enough that the kingdom of God cannot invade. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that they are modern-day revivalists. They are called to bring things back to life, Father. And I pray that in this society that in many ways has died, Father, that they would be ones like that bring the defibrillator and bring people back to life, God. That they would speak encouragement and truth into each other, into themselves, and into all the people around them. I ask, God, that you would give them an accent of heaven. That when they go into a situation just the way they are, people say, you are from a different land. Who who rules your land? And they can tell them about Jesus. Father, I ask for divine appointments, even this week, where they get to witness about the citizenship they have with you. Jesus and how they can get that as well. I bless them, Lord. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you, God. And would you create a fiery, wild, radical encouragement inside of their hearts. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Awesome. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey guys, um, we are going, if you need prayer, feel free to come up here. I totally forgot to mention earlier, but uh, there was a word uh, for someone who has, uh, like their family has cancer or they know someone who's like going through cancer or something like that. We would love to pray with you. Um, is that anyone? In the, yeah, right here. Okay, Susan. Yeah, is there anyone else too? Brianna, so a couple people. Okay, so we want to pray that God can bring healing over those cancer even as well. So you come forward and we'll pray with we'll pray with them. Um, and then also there's a word for somebody who either you or somebody you know had like a, a severe pain in your like lower back. Um, is that anyone here or, or is that anyone that you know or anything like that? No, totally fine. We'll find them later. Right. Um, so, but if that, but uh, if that is you, feel free to come up and get prayer as well. Okay. But everyone else be blessed. We're going to hang out. There's some more snacks in the lobby. Hang out for a while and get to know each other. If you see a new face, get to know each other. All right. And next week we will see you at the concert in the parking lot. It's going to be awesome. Take a ticket. Okay. We'll see you guys later. Love you guys. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.